Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Preseason action tonight in Seattle. The Edmonton Oilers lose 3-0 to the Kraken. Beneers and Donato in the second period. Geeky shorthanded in the third. It's a shared shutout for Martin Jones and Joey Decord. 13 saves for Jones, 16 for Decord. In the Oilers' net, the game was split by Fanti and Rodrigue. Uh, Rodrigue stopping 8 out of 9. Fanti 16 out of 18. So the Oilers' preseason record now 1-1 one one with the game against Calgary coming up on Wednesday. Thanks a lot for joining us along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line, Edmonton Oilers Hockey presented by Friesen Brothers. Well, Rob, we knew that um, this lineup for the Oilers perhaps would not be uh, overly potent. Uh, <laughs> I think having said that, though, there were some... Uh, some good moments uh, for some players. I mean, you know, Yamamoto's obviously going to be in the NHL. He had uh, some chances. Derek Ryan had some chances. And, you know, maybe a, a play relatively early in the game that maybe could have changed things a little bit. You had Noah Philp driving the net, uh, but his goal was disallowed. Yeah, and one that if the we're playing in the regular season, it possibly gets reviewed and maybe it's overturned. Uh, but what the Seattle Kraken had that the Oilers did not have is they had goal scorers in their lineup. They had offensive players uh, in a game that was filled with power plays. Uh, Seattle Kraken had a number of players with that are going to be on their power play. And they created chances. They didn't score goals, but they created chances on their power play. That carried over five on five. Now, on the other hand, the Oilers, uh, outside of Yamamoto uh, up front, they had nobody that's going to be on their power play. And Yamamoto is a bit player, really, on the power plays now for the Edmonton Oilers. So they didn't create a whole lot. And then the Edmonton Oilers uh, gave up the shorthanded goal as well. So uh, it was a game where the Seattle Kraken had the better offensive players, and it showed on the scoreboard. Well, and you mentioned the, the shorthanded goal. So here's what happened with 2.42 left in the second period. Jacob Melanson hits James Hamlin. Kind of, if you imagine if Hamlin is facing forward, and he's standing on a clock. Uh, basically, Melanson came from about, what, 8 o'clock? Yeah. 7 o'clock, and, and shouldered him in the to the side of the face. Yeah, direct hit to the face. So, you know, Hamlin well, was okay. He did finish the game. Uh, Melanson gets the five minutes for the check to the head, pretty much a, a textbook check yes. to the head penalty, no doubt about that. So he's out of the game. So the Oilers get a five-minute power play down 2 nothing. So, okay, some opportunities. Well... In the last minute of the second period, they give up a shorthanded breakaway. Fanti makes a really nice save, and then they give up a two-on-one. Yamamoto's stuck back defending it, and that's when Geeky fired in the one-timer to really put it away. Yeah, that was a wonderful play by Tanev. Uh, the Oilers got caught at the blue line. Puck sneaks by. Tanev goes in on a two-on-one with Yamamoto, who probably 
defends two-on-ones once every five years. Right. He's not in that position very often. Uh, and Tanov, a, a skilled player, made a really nice play. A nice saucer pass over the sticky Yamamoto to Geeky, and he hammered it. He, he won time to no chance for Fanti, and that was more or less the hockey game. So it was a... A game where I think that there will be some things that was li that were, were liked by Woodcroft. And I think there will be some things that he's going to want to be able to talk to the younger players. Say, okay, here's what we need to have a little bit better of you. Or here's what you need to be able to do at this level if you want to get to this level and play here. Well, a lot of the game was not 5-on-5. Five five. Mm -hmm. The Oilers were 0-4 for 4 in the power play. Seattle was 0-6. I'm wondering what, what you think about this. And... We knew that, like we were just talking about, the, the Oilers might be challenged to, to score a ton tonight. So, you know, you can't expect necessarily players who don't score to, to score more just because it's a preseason game. Um, but I'm wondering if, if a coach, you're saying, okay, well, you can do things. Don't put yourself in a position where, you know, you have to hook. I mean, some of these Oilers' penalties were guys maybe getting a little out of mm -hmm. position, chasing players. I mean, you saw Yanmark in the third period, a veteran player. He knows that's so, like, is that something Woodcroft might take out of this game and say, okay, guys, like, regardless of your skill level, there, there were some, you know, mental errors that led to penalties tonight. Uh, for sure. I, I think the one thing, there's no surprise it was surprises really when it comes to skill level of these players. I mean, the coaching staff knows what every player is capable of doing because they've done it at some level and they got video and they got scouts. What they're looking for in players now is details, uh, coachability. Um, effort, work ethic, work ethic, things like that. And what we saw tonight in a couple of the instances is the poor details by some of the players. And that's easy for the coaching staff to sit down afterwards with these young players or even veteran players. Like you talk about Yanmark, that's a, a silly penalty that put the Oilers down five on three. Um, but the coaches have will have video and say, okay, here's where you put yourself in the wrong position. Here's where you got your stick up against the hands. Here's where you misread the situation. And this is the part that coaches love is this is because this is when they're coaching. This is when they're teaching. And that's what all coaches love games and they love being in the, the thick of the things. But if you talk to them, they'll also tell you they love the teaching part. They love the, the part where they help these young players or seasoned veterans as we saw tonight help them get better and that's what you're going to get out of this game tonight and that's what you're going to get out of the first few games of preseason the evaluations and the teaching and I think that tonight there were a lot of teaching moments and here is Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft after a game like that yeah I thought it was a real competitive game um, you know uh, it was penalty filled so in both ways and uh, but I thought uh, our team came and you know worked their tails off and gave us a chance to, to try and win a road game here I looked up at the end of the second period I think we gave up 10 shots against or so something like that and so I saw a lot of really good things in our team game Penalty kill was excellent again, you know, uh, killed off another five on three uh, against a really good power play that was zipping it around, but I thought we did some good things there. Thought some of our younger players got good experience, uh, lots of ice time, and, um, you know, we, we stuck with it right to the last uh, last second. Um, so, though we didn't get the result we wanted, uh, a lot of positive signs. A lot of power play opportunities there as well, just couldn't get anything clicking. We talked to Devin Shore, a lot of those... 
players aren't regular power play producers for you? Just maybe how do you kind of assess the power play tonight? Uh, I, I would say on the positive side of things, um, some of the players that don't normally get to play on the power play got, got some touches on the power play, and that leads to some uh, offensive confidence when you're touching it like that. Um, I thought we still had some good looks. We didn't uh, convert, but we had some good looks. And you know what? That's the one area of the game we have yet to touch, um, partially because we haven't dressed some of our power play players over the last uh, couple games. But that's going to be an area that we're going to work on this week. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to growing that part of our game. As I said, we spend a majority of our time on our penalty kill, and it's good to see uh, a lot of positive signs on that in the first two games. What do you think of some of the emotions maybe a guy like Reed Schaefer is going through tonight coming, playing in this, the city where he plays junior? I don't know if this is the end of camp for him, but what have you made of, of Reed Schaefer at, at camp this year? Yeah, I, I think Reed Schaefer is going to be a really good Edmonton Oiler uh, one day. And uh, he's someone who um, obviously he has some natural gifts. He's a big man. He shoots the puck very well. He skates well for a big man. He's in great shape. I think he's left a real positive impression on the management and coaching staff and probably most importantly on his future teammates. Um, so I think he's had a really good camp. Uh, there's been some learning moments for him, and that's all part of it when you go to your first NHL uh, camp. And I thought, uh, as I said, I think he's left a really good impression here. Uh, and for him to, to play an exhibition game in his home or in the, not his home city, but where he plays his junior hockey, I think I'm sure he was pumped up and uh, excited about that. Good, thanks. All right, quick comments there from uh, Jay Woodcroft. They get on a plane, get back to that. I believe they left at 3 o'clock Mountain. So that was uh, eight hours ago. It'll be <laughs> a quick trip, yeah. in and out. They, yeah. uh, it's a couple hours to fly to Seattle, right? It is, and then, but the coaching staff, they'll be up early tomorrow morning and back at the rink and, and preparing for the day. And uh, it, it gets busy now, too. And you and I were talking before, and it's busy for media right now with, with training camp. So much going on every day. There's player movement, there's line combinations, new players come in le trying to learn everybody's new names and all that kind of stuff. Well, the coaching staff, there's a lot of cuts that are going to be happening right away. And they got to decide with, what is it, five games and seven nights, lineups for those. So this is a very, very busy time for the coaches, the trainers, the players. It's fun, it's exciting, but it's busy. So I'm sure that they want to get back as quick as possible to Edmonton, start working on tomorrow's practice plan. Yeah, uh, Oilers lose 3 nothing to Seattle. They will not uh, they will not practice tomorrow. It'll be a day off for the players. Coaches, as you were saying, Rob, don't, don't get a lot of full <laughs> days off at any point during the season and then play in Calgary on uh, Wednesday. So the crack can take it 3 nothing. 780 We'll get to some phone calls in a second here if you want to chime in tonight. Uh, Jake Furtanen, he's on the PTO, one of the six players to play back-to-back. -back. Is he doing enough? I honestly I didn't notice him in today's game I noticed him yesterday uh, a big reason why I noticed him is they put him on the point on the power play he was one of the four forwards out there and he, he did create some some plays off of the power play but as you know and anyone that watches the others there are no spots available on the power play. So if you want to be a, uh, an Edmonton Oiler, you've got to find a way to make it into the lineup on a third or fourth line. I didn't notice him in this game tonight. And uh, a big reason is there wasn't a lot of five-on-five -five hockey, so that didn't help players uh, uh, like uh, Vertanen because he needed to show what he could do 
in that kind of role. So uh, I think in game one, he was he was okay. I noticed him in game two, there's nothing. He needs a game where he gets to play a little bit more and be able to show a physicality and some good stuff defensively if he wants to play on the Edmonton Oilers' fourth line. Yeah, uh, Vertanen plays 14-7 uh, tonight. Seven minutes of that was on the power play. And uh, he had one shot on goal. He did have that one set up in the slot, but I think he missed the net on he that. Did. One. He did. And he fired it. It was a nice play, play yeah. yes. But, I mean, he's not seven minutes on the power play. That's seven really wasted minutes of him showing what he's capable of doing because there's probably 12 players on the depth chart ahead of him that are going to be playing the power play in Edmonton. So only seven minutes of five-on-five five time doesn't allow him to really show what he's capable of doing at that uh, in those situations because that's he's battling with the Shores and the the Yanmarks and the Derek Ryans and, and players like that. That's who he's battling for a spot with and the problem for him is those players especially Shore and Ryan have a history uh, they've been here they the coaching staff knows exactly what they're getting with with those players each and every time they step on the ice so uh, to me he's he's a long shot to have uh, uh, to be able to stay here on this during the, the, the course of this season three nothing Seattle taking it tonight uh, all season long our adjustment of the game is presented by pro drain text for peace of mind down the line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we have Tony standing by Tony hope you've been well what's on your mind tonight um, I just got to agree with uh, Rob on that on his point about Vertanen. Tonight, I know I know there wasn't a lot of five-on-five five and he was on the power play, but I'm sorry, but when you're on a PTO and this is your chance to show that you belong in the NHL and then you get a glorious opportunity, grade A scoring opportunity in the slot, you miss it, and then it looks like you're just co coasting. It just looks like either he, he's tired he can't compete at this level because I was expecting him to be one of the best players on the ice tonight, and I rarely noticed him. Well, and, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously, he played in the KHL last year, and he's sort of, I mean, he's trying to rebuild mm -hmm. his career and I think his reputation, obviously, after the, the accusation he went through. Um, he said he was hoping to be a power forward type. I mean, he hasn't, has he hit anybody? Well, I haven't noticed. That's the thing. I he, he wasn't credited with a hit. No, and and I, you and I talked before. Is I remember him, and I believe it was him that it was in the World Juniors where he was a physical force, but he took a lot of penalties. Uh, if you want to play for the Edmonton Oilers, be physical on your third, fourth line. Uh, the Oilers lost, you know, a Cassian who had that physical part of his hockey game in the bottom six. They need someone to be able to step up and do that. He has the opportunity, but uh, I agree with you, Reed. I don't remember uh, any physicality out of him. And uh, so far in the two games, I don't know if we've seen enough that would allow him to, uh, you know, ups upset or unseat a, a seasoned veteran who has been here already. Reed Schaefer. The, uh, I mean, he's going to stay in Seattle now. Yep. Well, there'll probably be a couple other guys assigned back to uh, Junior. I mean, he gets the experience. Uh, played 14 and a half minutes tonight. He got six minutes on the I mean, there's a lot of special <laughs> teams time tonight. It was kind of a, uh, a bit of a strange game. But he gets into a couple games. He said before this one he was going to have some Thunderbird teammates at, uh, <laughs> at this game. And now he'll focus on his Western Hockey League season. And Seattle's going to be uh, a very, very good team, too. Uh, well, and he's going to be a leader on that team. So for young players, when they come in, 
it's an experience and they get to and i remember my first training camp is you get to go all of a sudden hang out with guys that you watched on television and you get to see how they train how they work out you get to watch i mean there's a nutrition thing when you're on the ice you see the speed of the game the physicality of the game it's just all learning things that you're going to take back to your junior team and you find out what you want to work on or what you need to work on so for a young player like that there was no expectations uh, of him being around very long it was just come on up and see what it's like at this at this level and see where you need to improve and, and find out where you can find yourself in a few years if you make those improvements so I, I, he's a guy that you didn't notice uh, good or bad which is a good thing as a young kid there's usually uh, quite a few mistakes you didn't notice that so it's going to be a fun big year for him in, in junior and hopefully he'll have a nice long run and take that experience into his first year pro hockey probably next year the uh, second goal of the game I mean all the, the cracking goals are actually pretty nice in, the, in their own way the second goal of the game so Joy Decord had only been in the game for a couple minutes the Oilers switched th there was a whistle at the exact 10 minute mark and the Oilers switch so their goalies played exactly 30 minutes each uh jones stayed in a little bit longer for seattle 32 15. yeah i wonder if, if that there was uh if one of the two teams was on a power play at that point and that they oh, didn't i can't remember yeah, i yeah. can't either i wonder if that's the reason seattle didn't change the goalie because as you said you don't usually see it split 10 10 but what an, what a nice play by decor he catches the puck, takes a step out, and snaps a, a Mike Smith-type pass all the way up to the far blue line, sends Donato in. And I know that Bob and Jack thought that was a goal that, you know, that Fanti would want back. It, it was just a weird goal. Um, Donato kind of fumbles the puck a little bit and kind of throws the, the rhythm of the defender and the goalie off. And then when he went around the net, the stick of Fanti gets caught up in Donato's skate or, or or leg and pulled right out of his hands and that didn't allow Fanti to get back across like he was now off balance out of the net and Donato give him credit he got around the net quickly and most players you'll see a lot they'll try to do a wrap around they always end up a half an inch short right because they always feel like they have to get it in quicker and they don't take that extra moment to make sure the puck gets around uh, Donato did and that was a pretty goal and that was the second pretty goal that the uh, Kraken had scored at that point yeah well early in the period Maddie Beneers uh, second overall draft pick from last year uh, down the down the left side sharp angle shot Rob we discuss the, especially probably the last three or four years we've discussed these sharp angle goals a lot Beneers was closer to the net I mean we've seen guys score from there with their butt along the boards almost uh, and, and I know goalies all often get criticized for those but uh, you've also made the argument that sometimes there's not a lot of room there and there was about maybe two pucks when yours had to put, put that in it, it, you need a perfect shot and uh, goaltenders and again I, I I don't speak for goaltending coaches because I, I'm not one nor would I ever have any idea of how they teach but goaltending coaches and teach goaltenders to play percentages here's how you're going to play so this is the least amount of room possible net's bigger than a goalie so there's always going to be somewhere that you can put the puck you're going to just try to take the most of the net away as you possibly can and on this this is the way they're set up they don't face the goal the player they're kind of turn and there's a little bit of spot above the shoulder on the short side most players can't hit it and when I, in my generation we never, I mean, we rarely ever shot there because 
there's zero chance we're putting it in <laughs> at that spot. So we're going to try and do something different. But the, the young players nowadays are so, so talented that uh, it's like when they used to say Gretzky would turn the puck on side because it had to go in sideways for it to for find a spot to go in net. Well, this is what this Beneers did. He put it in the perfect spot. And that's one of those ones where you just credit the goal scorer and say, that was a perfect shot, and it was. And uh, it's a young, talented hockey player that you said went second overall last year. He's going to be good. Seattle's got some good young hockey players that, as you and Bob talked about before the game, the Vegas Golden Knights, they built for right now. Yep. And their future is not as pretty. Seattle is building for the future. And some of the young players we've seen over the last, well, over the last 60 minutes, uh, they've got some talent. Yeah. This team's going to be good in a few years. They got Shane Wright, uh, fourth overall. He didn't play tonight. And as uh, you know, I've talked to Kelly Rudy about that that play, and mm -hmm. he doesn't like it when goalies get beat like that. But he said they're taught to be ready to push off in case there's a pass across. Yes. So, and and I guess the alternative is if a goalie stands straight up and blocks that, well, then his feet might be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I mean, then you might just slap a puck into his crease and it might s slip through if he doesn't have his stick. Down. Well, in, in that, Beneers, if he's... If you're facing the puck, if Antti's facing the puck there, there's not, there's nowhere to put it at. But then, if he goes cross, cr cross crease, the goalie's not going across. Right. So, uh, again, it's all percentage. Everything they do is percentage based, and I th they may have to reassess the percentages now because the players are capable of putting the puck somewhere that five years ago most players couldn't. All right, three nothing. The Kraken win it tonight. Let's go back to Seattle. Oilers forward Devin Shore. It's really hard. Any game you go into, you want to win, and we didn't get the job done. But um, first game for a lot of guys, I thought the compete level was really good. I thought we did some good things out there. Um, but, I mean, we didn't score, so I uh, couldn't get the job done. Um, but there's there's things to build on, and and uh, it's, it's the time of year where you're trying to establish the team game in and your own individual game. So I thought the guys worked really hard and just came up short. How disappointing is it for the power play to go 0 for 4 and especially on that five minute major? Yeah, but that wasn't the power play. So I think when the real stuff starts, <laughs> yeah. we got other guys that I'm sure that'll bump those numbers up. We, we, uh, we did our best, there was some, we had some looks, but um, a, lot, a lot of us haven't played power play in a long time and that, that might have shown but uh no excuses like you, there, there are a couple of things we'd like to execute a little better but um we'll get the big boys out when it matters how difficult is it to get uh, any sort of traction when things kind of just seemingly aren't going your way you know passes are an inch off or a foot off how difficult is that process uh, yeah you, you can't get frustrated by it especially early um you know there's i i i said a, a couple of minutes ago there's habits you want to develop uh, first and foremost a work ethic you want to develop so um, that I think is first and foremost the timing of little plays and execution you, of course you want to be there every time we hold ourselves to a high standard and you want that to be there right off the get-go and we're gonna work hard to to improve that um, but you want to make sure you're moving your feet and, and just competing for each other out there a lot of young players on your roster tonight. Uh, you were wearing the A. Uh, you're a veteran in this league. How much do you kind of pipe up and try to be vocal and try to encourage the young guys? Like this? I think I think you just got to be yourself. I think if, if you feel like it, something needs to be said, you say it. But don't. Uh, I don't think you need to overthink stuff like that. If guys have questions. We're all more than happy, happy to to help them out and just lots of talk on the bench with encouragement and whatnot and, and hoping to lead by example with with the compete level and stuff to, you know, kind of show uh, where, the, where the intensity has to be. 
All right, well, that's Devin Shore. <laughs> not too worried about the power play not producing tonight on the five-minute major. Well, it's funny. When they asked him about the power play not producing, he's like, well, come on now. None of our power play guys are here. We're not supposed to score in the power play. So he giggled at it because of the, I don't know, the silliness of the question because you, these guys are never going to see a power play. The other thing, though, that I, I liked what he said, and it's something that you and I talked about uh, with what – the coaching staff is looking for in these games uh, because they don't they know the skill set of all these players but they're looking for details and that's what Devin Shore said he called it habits which is the same thing we're working on our habits so that everything that we do is the right way on the uh, on the ice it's being in the right side defensively getting stick on puck getting pucks in deep that's what coaches are looking for right now they're not looking for well, especially when for example the Ryan Yanmark Shore line not all those three guys are going to be on the team yeah so what they're looking of those three players which guy has the best habits which guy has the best details because they're going to be guys that play eight to ten minutes a night in certain situations we expect when they go on the ice they never get scored on which guys uh, which of those three is consistent enough that i have the trust i can put him out any time in the game in any position and know he's going to get the job done 3-0 Seattle winning it tonight. You're still going to hear from Reed Schaefer. We're happy to hear from you as well. 780-496-0063. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Rebound Burakovsky in the five on three for another 45 seconds. Schultz down low, broken up by Nibelin, and who's out there with Hamblin and Broberg. Shot Burakovsky in a glove save made by the calm and poised Ryan Fanti. All right, that is the save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310 Glass or visit crystalglass.ca. Fanti uh, stopping 16 out of 18 tonight. I thought he made some good saves. I mean, there were some gold melt scrambles yep. where he was able to find the puck. He stopped that shorthanded breakaway. Uh, you know, I thought Rodrigue had a pretty good game as well. He wasn't quite as busy as Fanti, but these two guys will be some uh, depth goalies in the Oilers system this year. Yeah, and they got their feet wet at the National Hockey League level. I think both of them after the game will feel that... Uh, they competed well and, and had some good looks in the game. Um, uh, this was, again, a, a game where the Seattle Kraken had the better lineup dressed, and the, the Oilers' goaltending was tested a little bit more with some higher danger opportunities, and I thought both young goaltenders uh, acquitted themselves quite well. Let's check the out-of-town scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. We'll start with the Blue Jays, who beat the Yankees 3-2 in 10 innings. Monday Night Football, it's Dallas over the New York Giants 23-16. Around the NHL in the preseason, Kings over the Golden Knights 2-1 in overtime. Adrian Kempe got the winner. Blues over the Stars 4-0. The Predators and Panthers split squad action. Florida won one game 4-3 in overtime with Barkoff getting the game winner. The other game went to Nashville four zip Rangers beat the Islanders four one and it's the Devils getting past the Canadians two one the Oil Kings home game on Thursday mm -hmm. seven o'clock against Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats. Yeah, he's a very talented young man and you don't see very many players in the National Hockey League shoot the puck like this young junior kid does. Uh, we People in Edmonton that went or witnessed some of the world juniors would have seen the skill level that he has and uh, this is gonna, he's going to have a special year this year in the Western Hockey League and is it 
Is it this year is his draft year, or is he still going to I think we're up? finally at his draft year. I mean, he's been in the Western Hockey League for a number of years. <laughs> you keep thinking, okay, is it this year, or is it next year? But he is a talented young man that uh, you will see in the National Hockey League one day, and you may see him star in the National Hockey League one day. Uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting watching how things play out with, uh, with him, and there's a lot of... Uh, you know, like the, how hard Arizona and Chicago and Montreal are trying to get him. Well, uh, some of the trades that we've seen the Chicago Blackhawks make this year, it's, they seem like they're trying to get another young player, even though they keep trading young players away. They're going through the rebuild weird. They're trading their young players and keeping their 30-plus old players. I'm not understanding what they're doing, but uh, it's not mine. And there, uh, there it will be, I don't know what it'll be, the Bedard, because they've got the... The lose for blues, or they got yeah. Well, they got the fall for Hall. Yeah, and I'm the like, brothers were doing bad. Connor, did they have one for McDavid? I can't remember. <laughs> well, that was back when they weren't sure who they were going to go with. There was two really good players that year, and everyone was Jack Eichel. That's when he came out and said that uh, he think, was going to be better. Oh, yeah, I think people knew Connor <laughs> yeah. was going to be better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. But yeah, no, Bedard is going to be a very nice hockey player in the National Hockey League, and there, there may be the one thing that we've seen a lot over the the last number of years is the player, the teams in the National Hockey League. There's been a lot more; uh, they've been closer. There's never, there hasn't been a lot of teams way at the bottom. There may be that this year. There may be a big difference between the top teams and the bottom teams more so than we've seen in the last number of years. Oilers fall 3-0 in Seattle. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we will turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That allows you to go to 630Ched.com and print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today at JV Edmonton. CA 3 nothing Seattle tonight. Uh, looking at some other guys, Nima Linen in there again. He was assessed a penalty tonight, uh, elbowing penalty, which it was. The, yeah. player, the player did sort of lose his balance and was lower down. But Nima, uh, Nima Linen, 17-49, credited with five hits, uh, took the penalty, shot on goal, minus one. He, he was fine. I, I don't think he was as noticeable as he was in last night's game. Uh, the penalty he took, that was just, he was just way bigger. Right. <laughs> way bigger than the player he was hitting. It was the right call, but again, what you liked about it was physical. And he's a physical hockey player, and he's making a name for himself that way. I don't see him starting the here in Edmonton, but I certainly do see him at times coming up and playing, and at some point maybe stealing a job. He's got something that the Oilers don't have, and that's uh, a bit of a nastiness and a physicality on the back end. What about Broberg tonight? I mean, he played 22-18. He got five minutes on the power play. He got four and a half minutes shorthanded. So he, he played in uh, every situation. Three shots on goal tonight. It, it didn't notice him a lot, but it's probably a good thing. He's a, He just played a safe game. Um, he was fine. It, it's hard to really assess you know, in the first game, because right now they're just trying to find their, their footing out there, trying to find their hands, uh, different speed. Uh, the Oilers were backpedaling a little bit at times because Seattle was the better hockey club, uh, but he was fine. Um, I don't think he hurt his chances at all of being in your first three pairings at the beginning of the season. And James Hamlin, I, 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 again, I just think he, 
finds a way to be noticed. Mm -hmm. and, and look, I'm not saying he's going to be on the opening day roster, but the, you know, a, a depth guy. I mean, who knows? Maybe he turns into a a Brad Malone type or or, or something like that that is is, is valued as, as a hard worker within an organization. Well, for, for me, watching these games, there's so many players that I don't know. And I know that you and Bob are around the rink a lot more than I am, and you get a, a feeling of each player and who it is, and they, you know the numbers. But I'm just watching for the first time, and I don't know the, the skating stride of a lot of players. So I'm looking at the, the, the sheet or, uh, that got in front of me, and I'm looking at the guy. I'm trying to match numbers to players. So it's hard to really pick up on anyone in particular. So if somebody stands out and I can find him over and over again, it means he's doing something. Hamlet's one of those guys that every time I look up, I'm like, oh, there he is again. Oh, he's in the play again. Oh, he's creating something. And there were other players that played in this game that if you ask me tomorrow, what did he do? I'm like... I don't remember that guy. Right. But Hamlin, I do. And that's back-to-back -back games. Now, he took a couple penalties early that you don't want to do that if you're a third or fourth-line player. For him, it'd be a fourth-line player. But he was noticeable. He was physical. He drew a five-minute major. Again, it was a dumb play by the, the kid from Seattle, but he drew it. Uh, I, I thought he was good. And again, I don't know if he's going to find himself in the opening day roster, but he's making a, a case that at points during the season, he should be the call-up. What he gives you is energy. And every team loves a player that gives you energy. And this is a team here in Edmonton that's got high skill level. Uh, it's always nice when someone else can go out on the ace and attract the attention of the opposition away from the Leons and the Connors. They want to go and kill this guy instead because he's just making or running around uh, creating uh, creating enemies every time he steps on the ice because he is noticeable that way. So uh, six more preseason games left for the Oilers. That's it? Some teams are only playing six. I know. Uh, Seattle and Winnipeg, for example. Tyson Berry was asked this morning, how many do you want to play? He goes, well, three or four. Three is probably good. <laughs> we might not see Connor and Leon until Friday. Yeah. Um, they might not play on the road in Calgary. They might wait to make their preseason debut at home against the Flames. Or you might see Leon play in Calgary and they wait for Connor at home on Friday. Maybe, yeah. Because um, be, I'd be surprised if they both played in the same game the first time. But having said that, there's a, it's a lot of games. Eight is a lot of hockey games. Uh, as a, a star player, I think um, Barry says it best, three to four at most. Right. But for anyone else, if I'm Devin Shore, if I'm Derek Ryan, if I'm Yanmark, if I'm Vertan, any of those players, I want to play eight. I want to be noticed. I, I, the more I play, the more opportunities I have to do something special. And the more I play, the less someone else play. And if someone else isn't playing, they're not doing something special in my spot. So... Uh, I could see Stars players saying three as a number, especially late in training camp when the real teams are playing. But for a lot of these younger players, they want to play every single game. Or a guy that's on the bubble, he wants to play every single game. Were you ever asked by a coach or <laughs> or like would have Mario been asked or would have he yes. said, okay, I want to, I'll play these three or whatever? Yes, they will They will go to the star players and ask them where they want to play, who, how many they want to play, which games are best for them. Uh, they want... They want Connor and Leon and Kane and Hyman and Nugent Hopkins going into the season peaking. They want them right. at their best for game one. So they're going to go to talk to those players, their leadership group, and say, okay, what allows you to be fully prepared for the first game of the season? Mm -hmm. And it's different nowadays than when I played because the players are in better shape now. They, I mean, Mario, the first time he put skates on was the first day at camp. 
Right. He, he did not train in the summer. Training camp for him was when he trained. So it was different for him in like training. You said, when you say he didn't train in the summer, like he didn't lift weights, no, God, no. run, skate occasionally? Well, he didn't skate at all. The very first time he put his skates on was day one of training camp. Right. So, and I, I've told the story many times, I've said it on here. He was smoking on the way to the first ice session of the training camp with his equipment on. He had a cigarette in his mouth. So uh, it was a different time than it is now. Now these guys, they take a week off and they're training. And these guys are in top physical shape coming to training camp. So that's how you're able to have an exhibition game three days into camp. Yeah. When we did it, we had two weeks of training camp before we even played a game. Right. So it's <laughs> it's different now. So these players, you want them in, in top shape come game one. So you'll talk to your top players. And then the players that will play more are the ones that it'll be the 11th, 12th, 13th forward, the 6th, 7th, 8th defenseman. Those are the guys you're going to see more of because that's where the competition is. There's no other competitions on this team. Team players are slotted in where they're slotted in. Having said that, someone like a Holloway might get a little more opportunity. Oh, you think he'd want to play every game? He'd want to play every game. And what I think the owner or what the, the, the coaching group will want to see too now is like, okay, and you and Bob talked about it. Will we put him with Leon for a game? Will yeah. we put him with Connor for a game? Because there is a competition there because uh, Jesse Pugliarvi has not cemented himself as a top six player yet. And if Holloway is able to do it at his price point of, I don't know what a rookie makes, 800000 whatever it is, that's $2.2 million cheaper than Jesse. So uh, I think they'll want to have a look and to see if he's capable. If he doesn't start the season here, when we call him up, do we have to call Holloway up to be on our third line? Are we able to call him up? Is he capable of playing at the top level and thinking in the game with those players? He will at some point. Yeah. Is he capable of doing it here as a rookie? All right, you can get in touch, 780-496-0063. The Oilers lose 3 nothing in Seattle. You're also going to hear from Reed Schaefer coming up on Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The and Donato in the second period. Geeky shorthanded in the third. That's the goal scoring. Seattle over the Oilers, 3-0 tonight. Noah Philp, who I thought he played okay again, yep. uh, was uh, had a goal go in off him in the first period. He was charged with goal interference. Didn't get a penalty for it, but the referee decided to wave it off. No coaches challenges or, or anything like that in the in the preseason. A, cl a close call, but he was in he was in the right spot. I mean, in, in the contact with the goalie wasn't uh, malicious or anything like that. He's he's trying to position himself well the, the coaching staff will like the fact that he went to the net and created uh, a scoring opportunity which ended up being a goal that turned out to be a no goal but they will like that uh, he, i think he has been fine uh, um, most players come to the national hockey league through junior or u.s college it's always nice when you see someone come from a canadian college and, and he's doing well he's he's faring well and uh he, he got Nice words or a vote of confidence from the coaching staff after game one, and I thought tonight he was fine as well. Okay, let's go back to Seattle. This guy is uh, staying put to rejoin his WHL team, the Thunderbirds. Here's Reed Schaefer. 
Yeah, obviously pretty cool experience, obviously playing Seattle uh, in front of my buddies and my Billet family. So I uh, definitely want to remember and uh, obviously not the outcome we wanted, but, you know, I still, still enjoyed it. So. How many friends, family, Billet families were all in attendance? Yeah, I think I had like half of my team here, um, probably some coaches I'm assuming, but my Billet family showed up as well. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. How different was this game than the one you played here last year? Uh, way different, obviously, <laughs> playing a junior game compared to this. Uh, this is a, a way bigger step up. So, um, you know, it shows me what it takes to, to be a pro and, you know, how they play. So it's definitely an adjustment for sure. I know before you left, we talked and you were hoping you could play in this game. Uh, when did you find out and what was the emotion once you found out? Yeah, I found out last night after the game. Um, obviously, a pretty cool experience here and that I'll be in this game. Uh, so I, I texted my buddies right away. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, how's, how's your camp? How do you feel camp's gone for you? Yeah, I think uh, camp's gone, gone well, obviously. Just soaking in all the knowledge, just what it takes to be a pro, just taking care of your body, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it's been awesome just to, you know, see what the guys are like and, and be around them. It's been awesome. Did you watch the game last Friday online, the Seattle game? I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watched pretty closely there, and I had to shut it off because I had to go to bed, but checked it in, <laughs> checked it in the morning. So, yeah, it was good that the boys got the W. Not sure if this is the end of your training camp, but if it is, how would you kind of summarize it? Yeah, it was lots of fun. Uh, very exciting, obviously, uh, to play two preseason NHL games. That's pretty special. Uh, they're, they're ones to remember. So, uh, you know, just got to keep developing, go back to Seattle this year and, and have a big year and hopefully win a WHL championship and then just come back next year and uh, obviously keep improving myself and, you know, proving prove myself that I, I, I can be here. How fun was it? I know you did, you haven't played with Noah Philt, but he's a Thunderbird. Linesman out there was a Thunderbird. Uh, is that kind of a cool feeling to have all that kind of Seattle Thunderbirds uh, out there with you today? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, to have former uh, Seattle Thunderbirds. Obviously, I think there's a couple more on the Oilers. Big squad there. So, um, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, and I think that just goes to show the development that uh, Seattle's organization has. All right, that is Reed Schaefer in action for the Oilers tonight, a 3-0 preseason loss to the Seattle Kraken. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer tomorrow from noon to 2. I will have Inside Sports at 6. At 7.30, we'll have the Elks this week with Morley Scott. Big thanks to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer this evening. You can get more on the Oilers on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Our next game broadcast, 5.30 face-off show on Wednesday, Oilers at Flames. The action will start at 7. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.